Welcome to Blind Date with a Book, the podcast that sets you up with your next book meet cute. We are talking today about some of our favorite winter reads to help explode your TBR while we are on a break before our next regular season. So it's me, Rachel, Kristen, and Elena here to talk to you about winter reads and give you a couple more to add to yours. So first, what do you all think of winter reads when you think of that phrase? For me, a winter read is the same as a summer read in that it's like a mood and it's a necessity because I think in the winter... You're not going out. You don't want to go out, especially if you're from the East Coast like I am. So you need a book that fits in to fill your social life that doesn't exist. you got to have a book that's good enough, propulsive enough, engrossing enough that, um, yeah, that it is a proxy social life. So that's why in the winter I go after big epics, heavy books that I wouldn't want to read to the beach. And like sometimes my more challenging books that I sort of want to commit to, I read in the winter. Oh, I love that. What else do you have to say about that, Kristen? Yeah, I agree. For me, winter is the season of the doorstopper. I want something dramatic, sweeping. I want a sense of grandeur. I want to be lost for really long periods of time. And sometimes that just means, you know, you need like a 500, 600 pager. (laughs) For me also, you know, if I could add on to that, I totally agree with what y'all are saying. But I know that many of us are also maybe obsessive goal setters for reading And so I also sort of like some short books at the end of the year, too, especially if I have not hit my reading goal yet. So I I totally sympathize with people who might be on that end of the spectrum, too. So how about we dive into our first recommendations? Elena, do you want to start us off first? Yes. Okay. I will say when I think winter book... The first book that always comes to mind is The Secret History by Donna Tartt, but I'm not recommending that because you've probably already read it. If you haven't already read it, you should read it because it is the ultimate winter book. Like when I think of that book, there's this one scene where the main character, the narrator, is not used to like the Vermont winter and he is stuck outside in the snow. And I remember like feeling cold while I read it. I read it on the beach. And uh, so for me, that is like the winter book, but I am now recommending another book that is also the winter book in my life. It is called Winter's Tale by Mark Helprin. I believe it came out in the eighties. I I should check to see when it came out. I knew I had to recommend this book because obviously as the title denotes, it takes place in the winter. It is the ultimate winter's tale. There's snow. Snow is like a main character in this book. This is back when New York used to get like feet and feet of snow. I'm not a big book rereader. There are only like two or three books I've ever reread in my life. But this is one that I have turned to more than once, partly because I thought that maybe upon second read, I'd be able to understand it a little bit better. I remember being like, I think some of this went over my head. Instead of clarity, I did not get clarity on my second reread, but I got a deeper appreciation for the book and it got more magic. Okay, so in terms of the plot, the book takes place in 1800s New York and it's described in like paragraphs and paragraphs. So if long descriptions are not your thing, maybe this book won't be it, but maybe it will be. I don't know. And it follows this guy, Peter Lake. He's an Irish immigrant and a professional robber. And he ends up... And you know what? Being a robber is hard, as this book shows. I would be a terrible robber. He ends up in a mansion on the Upper West Side where he meets a young woman named Beverly who's sleeping on the roof because she's dying of consumption. So they have this like weird meet cute 
but it begins as a very epic love story. However, there's like way more to this book than a big love story, even though that's at the core. There's also a mysterious cloud wall that descends upon New York. There's a flying white horse. There's a magical town in upstate New York that you can only get to or that you can like leave from by ice skating. That's a very good scene. And there's a plot line that will forever change the way you look at the astrology mosaic in Grand Central Station. Winter's Tale is mystical, epic, and grand. I'm not going to say it's the perfect book because there are many plot mysteries that are never really clarified, but it is an unparalleled reading experience. I stand by that. I think of this book so vividly. It's like a country you can visit, but you can't describe to people who haven't been. And my one recommendation, my one warning is don't think you can visit the country that is Winter's Tale by watching the movie because you can't. Just pretend the movie doesn't exist. Read the book. And it's like, it's a journey. It's a reading experience. And that's what you want in the winter. Something to transport you. And, um, you know, you just live with the mystery. Okay. What the book doesn't solve, you can live with. That is Winter's Tale by Mark Helprin. I love that the Winter's Tale novel that you just described also seems kind of like a problem novel in the same way that a Winter's Tale, the Shakespeare play is sort of a problem play. Um, Did the does it reference Shakespeare at all, Elena? That's a really good question. Um, I wish I could answer it. I read it before I took my Shakespeare class and we never read a Winter's Tale in the Shakespeare class I took. So I don't know how much in conversation it is, Ooh. with the play, but I imagine it probably is because it's Winter's Tale and a Winter's Tale. So yeah. that's absolutely on purpose. So this, you gave me some homework, Rachel. Thank you. Yes. I will awesome. find out. All right, Kristen, how about your first reading recommendation? I'm actually going to switch the order of my recommendations because um, I have a Winter's Tale connection. I never read it, (laughs) but I aspired to um, and picked it out of my, uh, my study abroad college library. And I studied abroad in Oxford. So I like definitely picked that book up off the shelf and like lugged it home with me on my bicycle uh, as I did with many books and, you know, would pick them up and put them down. But I can very clearly remember the cover of that novel and aspiring to read it around all the other things that I had to read and just never, ever getting to it. But the reason that I bring that up, the Oxford connection, is because my recommendation is actually a novel set in Oxford in the 1830s. It's called Babel by R.F. Kuang, and it is kind of an alternative history. So it it kind of asks you to roll with a bunch of different premises, like what if England came to global power during the Industrial Revolution because they controlled not just the seas and international trade, but also magic? And what if that magic was created through the act of translation? of that dissonant charge a speaker feels when they're trying to evoke a word from their native language in another tongue. And what if the only way for England to maintain its empire is to lure native speakers from colonial outposts around the world to Oxford, where they can learn how to work magic? So that is, these are the premises that Babel is working from. It's a 500-page odyssey following the character Robin Swift, a Chinese orphan raised in England to serve the magical and linguistic needs of the empire. It really does start off with a Dickensian bang. There's the tragic death of Robin's mother, the arrival of a mysterious benefactor who whisks him off to London, the strain and isolation of scholarly work in Oxford, 
And even in the midst of this big, juicy adventure novel, Kwong is unafraid to write about racism and colonialism. So there are secret societies and murders on the high seas, but there are also footnotes about real atrocities and trauma bonding between students of color. After a really big reading slump this year, I couldn't put it down, and I really hope that you'll pick it up for your winter read. I loved this book so much, and I will say, you know, being in the winter also makes me want to be read to, and I listened to it on audio. I think it's like a 21-hour audiobook, and it's so good and compelling, and the book is so much around language that it's really wonderful to hear the language spoken. So if you're an audiobook listener, you can get that from Libro. I love that idea. I wouldn't, I'm not, I don't generally gravitate towards audiobooks, but I could totally see why this would be a great one to, to read on audio. I was thinking, okay, if I had to recommend a third book, it would be this one, but I didn't because I'm in the middle of it. So I'm so happy to hear that you both liked it all the way to the end. It's very like atmospheric and transportive and just a perfect winter book. Plus, it's like smoggy in that London way. So if you can't have snow, you might as well smog, right? Yeah, exactly. If you need someone to text at the end, you know, Kristen and I, I are both here for you. We're going to be your support people. Yeah. I have to make it to the end. This is a big book. It, it can be a weapon. If, if you're not reading it, just have it next to your bed in case someone, you know, you hear a noise, you grab Bible. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to suggest a much thinner book. So it definitely couldn't injure somebody, but I think it will keep you compelled, even though it's a short one. So the book I'm going to recommend is a 110 page novel. So if you are, or no, 160 pages. So if you're looking for something short to finish off your end of the year goals, this is a perfect one. It's called St. Sebastian's Abyss by Mark Haber. It is the story of a friendship of two art critics who are obsessed with a Dutch Renaissance painter named Count Hugo Breckenbauer and his masterpiece painting called St. Sebastian's Abyss. So this is a completely fake painter and a fake painting, but you would not know that from the way that it's discussed in the book. These two critics um, have had a decades, decades long falling out and our main character gets a quote unquote short nine page email from this colleague on his deathbed and decides to go visit him one last time. So this is their first visit in 30 years. So he spends the flight going to visit him thinking about this friendship and obsession and the value of art. This book, even though it deals with topics like friendship and lost friendship and art, it is so funny. It is hilarious. In fact, it's very transporting and it makes you look at art um, that feels very observed. And also like the narrator is missing the point of the art completely. If you like books that make you feel both dumber and smarter than the main characters, as well as really truly unique stories of friendship and rivalry, you will like this one as much as I did. So that's St. Sebastian's Abyss and it's out from Coffeehouse Press this year. I love the title. It doesn't scream funny to me, but now that I know that the book is funny, now that like the whole title has a different tone too. This sounds really fun. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's funny either. The cover, it it's like a, it looks like Jesus. Yeah, in agony. <laughs> in agony. Um, but like a, a good portion of the book is these artists arguing about the meaning of like a donkey in the painting and like their different interpretation. Like it's just deeply funny because of how serious it takes itself. Um, it's it's a really great, great book. All right. So let's hit it for round two of our recommendations. Elena, do you want to go first again? Yes. So like Winter's Tale, this is also a book I'm recommending because I read it in the winter, which 
means that forever I will associate it with like armchairs and not wanting to go outside. So this is another book also like Winter's Tale that I would call like a reading experience and one that if the premise sounds at all interesting to you, just go pick it up and see if you like it because it's not really a book that a plot can describe. It's all about the writing. It's about the ride that it takes you on. And both of these books have a bit of a cult following. So if you meet another person that read them and liked them, you're sure to like have a good sort of, you can be like, oh, maybe we'll get along. This is a book called The Library at Mount Char by Scott Hawkins. As a book lover, I am prone to loving books about books, which is like entirely a, pra- it's it's a whole subgenre, like the storied life of AJ Fickery. That was going to be one of my picks because that's also a book about books, very wintry to me. But this one is special because it's also like about books and fantasy. It's fantasy infused. It's about good and evil. It's about, yeah, it's about metaphysics and involves God and a fight for good and evil. Unlike my last book, instead of taking place in New York, it takes place in a fantasy library that might hold in it the secrets to the universe. Carolyn is our main character. She doesn't remember much about for her past, but for all of her recent memory, she's lived with seven eleven siblings under the care of a millennia-old godlike man known to them only as Father or Adam. And all of them have individual powers that they learn from the books in the library. In the second half of the book, their father disappears and their father was like a cruel man. Like you want father to leave. Now they all have free reign of the stacks. And what are they going to learn from it? What's going to happen? A lot of stuff happens. I will say like the world, the mythology of this wild, zany, imaginative book takes a while to come into focus. So I would recommend like being patient. You might not know what's going on for like 50 pages, but it is going to be a while. It's going to be a ride and it's going to be an experience. And if you're not going to be going out in the winter, why don't you have a literary experience instead? I love that. Except this book drove me crazy and you can cut that out. Because we no, try no, not no. to be negative no, on the no, podcast. No, no, no. I want to talk about it because I know this book is so divisive. And I was reading online because I'd read it like a couple years ago. And I was like, wow, this is like the best book ever. I didn't really understand what was going on. Same with Winter's Tale. But like, I loved it. And I know that a lot of people hate this book. So like, why'd you hate it? I just felt myself like dissociating in a way that I did not appreciate in the book. <laughs> To me, the experience of reading it was so maddening. And I love fantasy and sci-fi, but this was just not it for me. So I don't know. I think everybody has their different flavors and this was just not mine. But I do think it has an extreme cult following and everyone should read at least the first hundred pages if they're curious. I respect it. I respect that. (laughs) Okay, Kristen, what's your second pick? All right. Um, My second pick is actually a nonfiction uh, book. Most of my reading life is devoted to novels. They're really what I gravitate towards and and what I love. Uh, I will pick up a novel before I pick up most things, but I haven't really been finding what I crave in fiction lately. Uh, That like big being swept away feeling that, you know, a book like Babel gave me. I have been finding that feeling more in nonfiction recently, big, juicy cultural histories with incredible characters that that kind of take over your mind and you think about them for days and days. So one of my favorites from this year is Isaac Butler's The Method, How the 20th Century Learned to Act. Butler traces the origins of method acting from late 19th century Russia to the Red Scare 1950s Hollywood to the actor studio in the 70s and 80s. 
Um, in his introduction to the book, he explains that he wished to write a biography of method acting rather than a biography it's, of its founders or its practitioners. I think that's a really interesting choice that gives the book a really great arc. It has narrative heft and weight, and the pages just turn with remarkable ease, even though you're reading this really giant cultural history of acting. Um, it's beautifully written, compelling, and downright exciting sometimes and filled with some of the biggest names in show business so you'll see like dustin hoffman misbehaving on the set of kramer versus kramer or francis mcdormand cowering in a bathroom during the final scenes of blood simple for me it's a perfect book to get swept up in now that it's getting too cold and damp to enjoy the outdoors plus it comes built in with movie recommendations which i really appreciate because that is one of my favorite winter activities that is the method how the 20th century learned to act by isaac butler is there a whole section on Daniel Day-Lewis? Yes, Daniel Day-Lewis has come up. I mean, you'd hope so. Like, I want to know how he gets into character. That sounds really, really interesting, though. Um, was there anything you learned from it that, like, really surprised you that you can remember? I love the whole beginning about, like, I, I obviously, like, you know, Hollywood history is great, but I am such a, like, Russian history nerd, like, 19th century uh, Russian history is um, so uh, fascinating to me. And if I had a bonus pick, it would there would be The Revolution of Marina M by Janet Fitch, which takes place in, in revolutionary Russia. So like that entire section, I just found enthralling. Like you, you get to see the troops of actors and like hear about all of their exploits and everything they're doing in the theater and how they're arguing about like what kind of acting and like what kinds of methods you use to get certain kinds of emotional responses. And it's like really like the birth of this idea and how, how the founders kind of scrap for it. It, um and the the actors that they bring along for the the ride so i really i really love the beginning of the book but the whole thing is great i i think i'll probably pick that up i love theater i'm a theater nerd so oh yes and this is totally for you yay my second recommendation you know for me winter vibes are sort of mysterious uh, everything is so internal and shut up that i really love a mystery novel that makes me feel contained and very controlled. That kind of plot makes me feel exactly like what winter makes me feel like. So I have a mystery novel recommendation. The Women in the Library by Solari Gentile is the perfect book to cozy up with. It's a two perspective novel. One part is a standalone novel. A woman screams in a library and her body is found the next day. Someone who is on a writing fellowship was in the room next to the room uh, where the scream occurred. And she ends up tangled up in this case and becomes drawn into solving it. So that's pretty standard uh, for a, a mystery novel. The other part of this book is emails from the author of the novel that you're reading to a beta reader, who is a man in Boston who's giving her feedback on the text. The structure of the book alternates between emails and the chapters of the mystery novel. And it's extremely satisfying. Gentile creates these dual tensions between two very distinct storylines. And it made it hard for me to put this one down. So especially if you're a reader or even a writer who's obsessed with the idea of points of view, you will adore it, even if mysteries aren't your typical fare. Now, I know that we all had kind of bonus suggestions that we had on the back of our minds, just in case somebody else selected our favorites. And so I'm going to shout mine out real quick here, just in a sentence or two, because it is 
also a mystery novel and it's very wintry. It's called The Overnight Guest by Heather Gudenkoff. And it's uh, a woman who's also a writer who is stuck in a blizzard uh, at a house in her hometown where she has gone to investigate a crime that has shadowed her life for the past two decades. This is um, definitely a mystery thriller. And the last few chapters were so heart racing that I actually like had to pause the audiobook as I was listening to to like take deep breaths. <laughs> it's a really well written, really compelling. And the entire thing is set during an Iowa winter. So it'll make you feel like you need a cup of hot chocolate um, to warm up a bit. Anyone else have some bonus recommendations they want to pop in here? Uh, sure. I'll circle back to mine since I kind of interrupted myself with it in the method. But The Revolution of Marina M by Janet Fitch is an incredible winter novel because it takes place in Russia. It's definitely extremely wintry, but it's it's set during the revolution. So you get all of these young people arguing about politics and fighting for their ideals and you you do really get to see kind of the crumbling of one world and the the rise of another. It also takes place in um, like art, a lot of artistic circles, poet circles, and it's also very, very long. So again, it's something you can get lost in. I think my other would be, <laughs> to be very obvious, Winter by Ali Smith. <laughs> It starts with a, a floating ghostly head of a child and like goes through, um, you know, some um, family drama and is part of her kind of quartet series about the seasons. So if you haven't tried any of them yet, you, you know, you could read along with the winter season, but with that, with that read. And how about you, Elena? I know you want to sneak in one more recommendation here. Rachel, you know me too well. Well, I have already snuck in multiple bonus recommendations, but I will give another. I think Rachel knows that I've become absolutely obsessed with this author, but if I had to recommend one author to just like dive right into, I have been activated by Anthony Horowitz. He's a mystery novel. He write, He does everything. He writes TV, he writes YA, but um, or like children's books actually. And he also writes these mystery novels and I recommend starting with, I actually went out of order, but you should start with the Magpie Murders. And these are books that are like the book lover's dream because it's a mystery novel. And then in within the mystery novel is a full other mystery novel. So you've got the euphoria of two solving scenes. I mean, it's like too good. And they're sort of the old school Agatha Christie kind where like everything comes together in the end in this really satisfying way. So definitely a winter read and that it's kind of like a mystery, which is dark. And then plus you just want to read it all in one sitting. And the plot is unbelievable. I think if you like the show Sherlock, the new one with Benedict Cumberbatch, you'll like this just because of how like intelligent it is and how you really, you just can't believe a human mind thought of this stuff. Rachel, you, you read these too, right? I did. I really like them. And I also like how the detective character is really interesting. And then sort of the character you're following is really interesting in that he is a working writer and he is writing for TV very much like Anthony Horowitz. It's all just very smart, very well done. Um, if you are somebody who likes to watch the shows on like PBS that are British mystery, uh, masterpiece theater kind of things, you will love the tone of this these books. 
And in fact, there is a Masterpiece Theater version of Magpie Murderers on PBS right now, which I just watched. <laughs> and oh my gosh. It's so good. It has Leslie Manville being amazing and driving around in a zippy little sports car and being an uh, the editor of this kind of nauseous mystery writer who dies unexpectedly. I because I haven't read the book, I just got it out of the library. Um, I have no idea how close it cues to the novel, but I'm excited because of your recommendations to pick it up. It's like we all recommended each other some books we are going to be picking up this winter, and we cannot wait to get back into regular episodes again in 2023 to continue to recommend awesome books for you all. In the meantime, make sure to join us on at Book Meet Cute on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find out everything that we are reading at blinddatewiththebookpod.com. 